Hi guys, welcome back to Primary Care UK. It's Munir Adam here in partnership with Integrated Care Support Services. And this is the second half of the discussion around fit notes. The first half, as you remember, was an interesting discussion covering the basics. And <laughs> really, you found it interesting. I thought you found it boring, Munir. Well, it wasn't too bad, I suppose. Okay, sorry, folks. I didn't introduce myself. So my name is Mariam Hanif and I'm a PA. So from my perspective, I definitely found it interesting, the last episode, and it was helpful. And actually, it prepared me for what we're going to cover today. And it is an interesting topic today. We will be talking about, well, Sarah and Cyril were talking about the challenges clinicians might face when dealing with fit notes. Yeah, that's right. And a bit about important things to bear in mind. So as we did last time, let's turn again to Nottinghamshire Alliance Training Hub and listen to Sarah and Cyra's talk today. Hello all, I'm Zyra, a GP in Nottingham. I met you all last month with the first episode of Basics to Fit, uh, Fit Note podcast. And welcome to our follow-up podcast today. Sarah was tasked to do some learning. Hi, my name is Sarah Partridge and I'm a clinical pharmacist in Nottingham. And you're right, last month when we met, I was sent away to complete some e-learning training health package on Fit Notes. So we're back. Yeah, how did that go? Do you know what? I found it. It was, you think from the outside, it's a bit of a boring, dry topic. However, do you know what? It was quite interesting. And I realised, looking back, I probably underestimated the process. And it's not really a tick box exercise that I originally thought. It's about empowering and working with patients. And mm. I'm really, really shocked by some of the statistics that they gave in the package. For example, 15% of patients that have been off work for four weeks with a kind of musculoskeletal condition and they never return to work which is quite shocking yeah so that's an interesting fact and it just shows us how important it is to think of the length of time signed off for patients and we should encourage them to go back to work as early as possible yeah so that definitely became clear and I suppose that's why they changed their names to fit notes it was mm. trying to work with them to find out what they could do not automatically let them be at home necessarily because that of course then has knock-on effects on mental health and their physical health so actually there's a lot of benefits of working but I did have a few questions yes of course so I'm thinking more from like a practical perspective if I was to do some notes what relevant questions can we ask the patient to help explore their occupation and think about adaptions and what they can do yeah, so you need to explore and ask questions that would help your assessment. So some of the examples are, how does their medical condition impact on their work? What difficulties they might be having in carrying their own tasks because of this medical condition? Are there any requirements of their job? Is it desk-based or is it physical strenuous work? But also to consider safety aspects, such as driving and operating machinery. So you're going to ask all these questions and find out a bit more about the occupation. So just find out a bit more. But yeah, it's really important actually raising the fact about driving heavy machinery because if they were on any medication, kind of made them feel sleepy, that would be really important to bear in mind. And once you kind of have all the information you think you need mm -hmm. to make kind of some recommendations, 
have you got any really good hints and tips? I think the most important thing I would say to remember is making sure the information that you provide is factual and avoid any speculations. You know, you need to be careful and need to be confident and safe and, and sort of provide the objective evidence and the fact rather than your judgment on the condition. Okay. So if, for example, you kind of had a vague idea, but you thought occupational health might be the better place to kind of make an assessment, could that be one of the recommendations? Yes, certainly. Patients can be referred to occupational health by their employer. If an employer wants more information or if you feel out of death in making an assessment, um, you can write in the comments section that a referral to occupational health is recommended. It will be an employer's role to do so. But the patients can request the employer to have an occupational health assessment if that's what they wish so. Brilliant. The other thing I thought was, what do you do if a patient has a specific request in mind? So what I'm thinking is, that they say that they could only work till 3pm as this works better for school collection. Are we able to do that? So that's a very good question because patients may ask you to state specific requests. Say, for example, they may say, I want to work X number of hours on this day. But I would say anything that is difficult for you to defend medical legally should not be done if it's not related to their medical condition. So you need to communicate that with the patient that this isn't something you can provide because it isn't to do with your medical condition. Brilliant. So stick to the facts. Yeah. So how, how is impacting their um, work? But you can't ask for, for other conditions like you mentioned for school collection, childcare, or, you know, just for convenience, I guess. We're not going to be able to do Another area I thought could be quite challenging was those related to long-standing fit notes. Because you see in general practice patients that recurrently get fit notes and are the ones that I've seen are treated a bit like a tick box exercise. So how, how do you challenge one of those long-standing fit notes when you think they could, they could work potentially? Yeah, so that's where I think a really good rapport with patients comes into play and empathy towards them. And communicating that being off work is not always good for them. Longer they're off, harder it is for them to get back into it, like you mentioned in your statistics as well. So having a routine and keeping busy, that will help their mental and physical health. Um, and one thing I would highlight is it's okay to say no to issuing a fit note. Don't be coerced into doing one. If patients don't agree with you. They can have a second opinion from another professional. Needed. But just because they've been off for a long time doesn't mean you can't challenge the situation. And again, you'll be responsible for the fit note that you're doing. And therefore, it's important to be comfortable and confident with it and, and encourage them to go back to work. And whether there are adjustments or other help and support you can provide to them, it's still really um, you know, important to challenge it. Brilliant. So, and I suppose this where the benefit of maybe working within the multidisciplinary team. So where there might be a few more challenges, having that confidence of being able to go to your colleagues and say, oh, can we just discuss this one? I feel they may be able to go back to where, what do you think I suppose could be beneficial? Yeah, so it's whether it's like a physiotherapist, occupational therapist or a mental health nurses, et cetera. I think 
it is a very good point that in involving other members of the team and getting an idea from them how well you can assist these long-term patients to go back to work is really important. Brilliant. Another area, what should you do if like the hospital trust or someone asks you to write a fit note? Because surely they should be doing it. Yes, other organisations may ask you to issue a fit note for the patient. As per BMA guidelines, British Medical Association, um, that's not strictly your job to do it. Um, And all professionals have a duty to do these themselves. However, if you do oblige, I would say only do them if you feel confident about it. A request, for instance, from a consultant to get a fit note from your GP doesn't protect us. We have to make our own judgment of each situation. I mean, sometimes if a patient has come to see you and, and you've got enough evidence from the hospital, such as out of hours attendance or emergency attendance, and they may have said, oh, go and get it from your GP, you have to reassess the situation to see how they're feeling now. Um, same with any surgery, um, post-surgery, any examples where they may have said, oh, go back to your GP. It is your duty to assess the situation. So ideally, like you said, they should be doing it. They are responsible. Strictly, you, you're not responsible. GP practices or primary care is not responsible. However, if, you know, if it is some, something that you have to do, then yes, do reassess the situation. And I know with Novtum, actually, they're working on this with the hospital trust at the moment, that they give a fit note for the duration, the normal standard duration that you'd expect for, say, surgical operations and procedures. So hopefully that will improve a little bit and we should see. Yeah, Yeah, that's a really good idea because I think trusts should realise that, you know, it's an extra work, I suppose, for GP practices, but also the fact that we might not be the right people to assess. Brilliant. Change of direction now, but it was a really confusing, muddy area in my mind. Can I clarify how fit notes link to benefits? Uh, okay, so that's good. Majority of the fit notes are used for statutory sick pay or occupational sick pay. However, unemployed patients can apply for ESA, which is the Employment and Support Allowance, or for universal credit, uh, but not for statutory sick pay. So the fit note will be passed out to the job centre by the patient uh, and it'll either have a box that you've ticked not fit for work or there may be fit for work um, boxes that are still relevant. So do, do still fill those in because it'll help the job centre to find the appropriate the relevant jobs for the patients that are unemployed. The difference comes when people are self-employed and um, say they're an employee of their own company, such as their director or they have a limited company. They are eligible for statutory sick pay, but if you're a sole trader, then you're not. But if patients in general, um, if they're not able to apply for work, they can apply for ESA or universal credit. So anything more detailed than that needs signposting to the job centre, such as an advice bureau or welfare rights. Brilliant. So it's worth bearing in mind that sometimes fit notes can support, they're used by the job centre in support of certain benefits and things. Great. And then coming towards the end of my questions, you do a great job here. <laughs> How do you deal with a fit note request post bereavement? Because they might not actually have a medical condition. Mm, okay, so that area can be a bit difficult to judge. But the way to consider is that the patient may have an existing mental health condition or a new mental health condition may develop due to the bereavement. For example, if it's a close relationship or an unexpected death has result, may result in a shock or anxiety and depression. 
So in these situations, you can issue a note. However, if it's not exacerbation of the existing mental health condition or it isn't a new mental health condition, then you can't issue a note. So employers can grant a compassionate leave at their discretion. So I think in that situation, you have to be empathetic to patients and ask them to speak to their employers. Okay, so it's a bit on a case-by-case basis, whether it's having a negative effect or creating a new mental health condition. Okay, so I think I've got my head around that a little bit more. So yeah, I'd probably be one that I'd go to my supervisor with. So thank you so much for all those answers. I think things are starting to be clearer in my mind. No problem at all. I'm glad you're finding it helpful. I also thought it'd be really good myself and hopefully listeners of this podcast if you could give us a real-life example of a FitNote situation so that I can see and think about how to apply all this knowledge practically. Yeah, sure. So I think a common, let's take an example of back pain because it is a common presentation in general practice. So as mentioned in the previous podcast and, and in this previously, you will have to start the assessment. That's the most important thing when any presentation comes. So for example, back pain in this case, you you take the history, you do the examination, and then asking about the impact of back pain on their ability to work. What does their job involve? Are they sitting down? Are they lifting heavy weights or manual handling? Or does it involve shift work? Those are the things to assess. And asking what do patients think they can manage to do at work? And does that meet your expectation of how you would think that that would be appropriate for somebody with pain. So always one thing I would say is once you've made your assessment, you can then um, either, you know, feel that, okay, this, this is a time I can sign them off for, say not fit for work. But important thing is always consider adjustments and focus on what they can do. That is why, as we mentioned previously, the purpose of the fit note is focusing on what they can do. And again, remember your other members of your team, like physiotherapist in this case, occupational health therapist um, or occupational health at work. Maybe you would want to also review the previous time of work. And that experience, this day matter as well. Have the patient been back? Have this patient been back for to work post a previous pain um, time off? How did it go? What things were considered in that case? And depending on the situation, I guess, like I said, you would give a short time off work and reassess. Just be mindful, again, not to do it longer than it's necessary because reassessment of the condition on a regular occasion will engage the patients more and it will be beneficial for them to, to help support them. And then the tick box, any, if you're saying that may be fit for work, then tick the adjustments or amended hours, etc., and that's where the comments box will be really helpful for the employer. Does that make sense? Oh, have you got any questions about that, Sarah? Yeah. So it's a question of kind of working with the patient, hopefully reviewing regularly. And I suppose managing the patient's expectations. So you're not going to be signed off for a long time because actually uh, it may be worth considering what you can do and reviewing and looking at reducing hours or making a desk job or something, mm. if that's more possible, depending on the pain and depending on the role and, and things like that. Yeah, so it's thinking broadly. Back pain, for instance, is a common condition. But, you know, again, the evidence is that the quicker you go back to work and the more mobile you are, 
there are more benefits than staying off with these conditions for a long time. That's really good to hear. Thanks, Ira, for that. That's okay. No problem at all. I think they're all very useful questions that you came up with. Generally, how are you feeling about the footnotes as a whole now? Well, I'm, I'm a lot more clearer, particularly around benefits and kind of the special cases with regards to bereavement or patient requests, uh, kind of what information you need when making that kind of assessment. And I really now appreciate that you need to understand the patient's condition. You need to be making shared decisions, working with the patient, finding out about their ideas, concerns and expectations. And ideally, what it sounds like to me is that patients need that time and that regular contact with the same clinician when renewing fit notes and things like that, working out what they can do, because actually long term, this is a much better idea. With regards to me personally, I need to make, I need to come across appropriate cases within my respiratory clinic. Cause that's the area where I'm familiar with conditions and things like that. So kind of within my competence. And when I come across certain cases, I'm not at the stage to go away and do it on my own at the moment, but I now have the information that under supervision from my GP, that I'll be able to work on this and slowly build up my competence in the area. Thank you so much for your support during this journey. My pleasure. Wow, what an interesting talk today, eh? So what did you think, Manir? Um, I'm now wondering if I should have actually shared this episode. Why? I mean, last time you were doubting yourself, and now you're not sure about this one. Why is that? Well, if finding about all these challenges is going to put people off, we Jeepers are going to be stuck with it for longer, right? No, I don't feel that way. In fact, I feel more motivated. And Sarah and Sarah didn't just share the challenges, but they actually provided solutions as well. And I think it's really helpful for us healthcare professionals, PAs, pharmacists, and nurses. Furthermore, it may help you and other GPs, even like trainee GPs would find this episode really helpful. Yeah, I know. I'm just kidding. Actually, this was a really important reminder for us because it's all too easy to slip into bad habits, even if we're familiar with FitNotes in the first place. Well, I hope the audience found this episode useful. We are grateful once again to Sarah and Syra, and maybe we'll hear from them again in the future. But that's it for now. Do rate us on Apple Podcasts or in other ways, and do spread the word. And until next time, keep well and keep safe. Primary Care UK was developed by Therapeutic Reflections Limited to inform, educate, support and unite the primary care workforce. Specifically, it is not for the general public or patients. All information and advice contained therein is time, location and context dependent and is general advice only. No guarantees are provided with respect to the accuracy of the content. The hosts, contributors and the organisations they represent do not accept liability for any actions, consequences or effects that result directly or indirectly from the content provided. Please refer to the episode description for more information. Thank you for listening.